Sound Design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live. I am Nathan Lively, and today my guest is sports dietitian, nutritionist, chef, and author of Mediterranean Diet Cookbook for Dummies, Wendy Jo Peterson. Wendy, thanks for being here. Hi, thank you. <laughs> uh, so I've been wanting to talk to Wendy because one of the hardest parts about working on live events for me is food. And I have high metabolism and eat more often than most people, I think. So working in unknown environments can be stressful. And when I'm unsure of when and where I'll be able to eat, the stress makes my hunger and food cravings even more intense. And I get frustrated and upset and just kind of spirals downwards. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I've gotten, it's, it's gotten a little out of control in the past and I've actually walked off of a couple of jobs. That was in my 20s. Um, <laughs> but before we get to that, um, it seems like you're anti-mayonnaise in your book. So what is your problem? Oh, I'm not. I'm not anti-mayonnaise. I mean, I just, we don't use it that much. Um, I, I would say that it's not something that I would probably, I mean, we make like a garlic aioli, which is, a, a, you know, a homemade, basically mayonnaise. But, um, you know, for the most part, I would say I don't really recommend it as a condiment all the time, just because it's so stout in calories that if you're going to get that amount of calories in, I'd rather it be quality calories, like an avocado over mayonnaise. Does that make sense? Yeah, but, you know, I guess I can't recommend your book then. <laughs> Are you a big, huge, <laughs> I'm a huge, huge, I'm a huge mayonnaise fan. And my girlfriend hates it because I put it on french fries all the time and oh my. I just have to keep it across the room. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I would say that throughout Italy and throughout most of the Mediterranean regions, you don't really find too much mayonnaise, except for maybe in France, you're going to get a lot more mayo, but their mayonnaise is very different from ours. I mean, you know, unless you're buying, I would prefer people to buy organic mayonnaise if you're going to, just because of the soy crops that are used. Mm -hmm. um, soy oil is the traditional one that's used. I would rather people find the olive oil brands that have them, but I mean, there's some good, there's some good ones out there that are organic, that are tasty, I think. But, you know, my, my mom always made it from scratch. So I think I kind of de developed a little bit of a snobbery to good quality mayonnaise versus just mayo in a jar. Oh, I want a snobbery. Okay, well, I think we can do this whole, we could do a whole other show on mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> I guess you can. <laughs> so moving on. Um, so obviously the section on controlling appetite and suppressing cravings in your book was, was really interesting for me because um, I'm often overcome by hunger, working long hours on events. Um, now through recommendations from friends, I've started bringing good snacks with me and I usually take some kind of sandwich like avocado and hummus for protein. And then I started bringing energy gels with me, which are these yeah. thing that cyclists use that I didn't know about until I had a friend who was a cyclist. And um, on long days, I might eat one of those every hour or two. And I think one of the reasons that it's working is psychological. Um, since I get hungry often, I am nervous about working in unknown environments where I'm unsure of food availability 
And the increase in stress triggers my fight or flight response again, as you say in the book, and thus more hunger and more cravings. So having food with me, or at least having a plan, makes me feel better. Um, You recommend low glycemic snacks, including omega-3 fatty acids. So I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit, um, talk about your strategy for road fuel, and give some more examples of meals and snacks that are easy to transport. So it just really, it really, really depends. So like, you know, when it comes to that book, you know, with the Mediterranean Diet Cookbook for Dummies, it's general population. When I'm working with people who are on the road or actually performing in the sense of doing work, so if it's my athletes, anybody, you know, really you want to use high glycemic foods when you're actually doing work. So you're actually spot on when it comes to using those energy gels. For a lot of my drummers and people who are who have a high metabolism, you're going to burn through calories really fast and your body wants instant calories. So it's just because that's the pathway that it's using immediately. So slamming back a gel or popping in one of those little um, the gel shots or the little gummies that they use as well. Mm-hmm. Those are instant energy. I mean, it's it's going straight to be utilized and it's bypassing everything, which is what your body really wants to do. That's why it works well for athletes. Um, so I do actually recommend that. So you're, you're spot on for that. You can do simple things too, where people who don't want to spend the money for sports type of things, they can actually, I and mean, you can basically just get gummy bears or jelly beans and things like that for people. Because when you're when you're in that position, you need instant sugar. So it is actually going to be a good thing utilized. Now, if you're afraid that you're going to crash, so you, you need something, a prolonged period, then I'm gonna say use a little bit more complex carbohydrates, which are gonna be a little bit more in the moderate glycemic load. So, you know, like a greener banana versus a yellow banana, because yellow bananas are a little bit more sugary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still going to be a good source of energy. So it's actually considered, it's a banana is considered moderate range. Um, doing something like a sweet potato, which a lot of the guys that I do, I will say roast sweet potatoes and then just keep them in a baggie and you can actually just take, you know, one out cold. A lot of, a lot of my cyclists do that as well. That sounds but even great. I love sweet potatoes. Me too. And if you put a little bit of lime zest on them, it's like citric acid. So it's, it's adding the citrus bioflavonoids to it. So it's actually adding that benefit. But even, you know, simple as an apple or an orange or grapes, those are considered moderate and they aren't going to spike your blood sugar as quick as something, you know, like honey that would just be straight sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and honey is really high in fructose, so it could disrupt your gut a little bit, which I know for most of my musicians and people who are on any kind of sound engineers, you just... Anybody who's working front of the house or back of the house, you don't want to have to be rushing to the restroom in the middle of a set. Mm-hmm. So you can't really be doing that. And so really, you don't you want to stay away from foods that are really high in fiber. So I wouldn't recommend berries, <laughs> you know, for that type of thing. Now, if you're off off of working hours, then I actually do recommend that for road food. So it's it's different on when you're based on what you're doing at the time, your food does matter. You know, your energy does matter. And a lot of the guys will actually say to me, you know, man, I feel like I'm crashing. And some of the 
drummers in particular will get something called a drummer hangover. And so it's where they, even if they're not drinking at all, the next day they will feel like they're completely hungover. And it's because they didn't add in the nutrition that they needed during their set or even recovery wise. And now they're hurting and their body is actually depleted the next day. Um, so let me let me just wrap up real quick. So it sounds like for snacks that these gels, you do recommend those, but then um, sounds like also you were saying that fruit is one of the best sources for um, this low glycemic snack that we're talking about. Um, so is that true? And then also um, you started talking about recovery food or recovery drinks there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, yeah. So I would say fruits are good medium, medium in the sense of glycemic index. So it's good to have kind of on hand. Plus they're the easiest fast food you could possibly grab. I mean, how can you get any easier than a grape? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, bananas, I mean, they're, they're protected by their own peel, apples, etc. So yeah, so those are great. As to recovery, Recovery nutrition is really important. So a lot of the times we'll tell people, once you've done, say say you're working at a festival all day long, right? And you are about spent. The most, most people, what they want to do is just crash or they're on such a high that they're kind of in party mode and they're failing to even think about food. Alcohol. Yeah. And so that's when I really try to say, hey, take take 30 minutes and get a good meal in before you even start those festivities. Make sure that you are utilizing the food that's in the back of the house. If they have it, if not, make sure you have your own food. Mm-hmm. So for some, it could just be something like a shake. You know, I, I know a lot of the a lot of people that I work with, they'll just grab a shake just because it's easy and then they can kind of start in on their festivity side of things. Um or just doing some kind of a gorp trail mix where it's nuts, dried fruit, um, grabbing a couple handfuls of that to kind of help satiate them. That's a good way to start. If you're on the thinner side and you're going to need a little bit more substantial calories, I mean, your body's burning through it. But even if you're on the thicker side and you're worried about weight, you actually do need to replace your calories that you just burned. Otherwise your body is going to be like, Hey, I'm burning all this energy and you're, you're starving me still. So I'm just going to slow my metabolism to adjust to that. And that's what our body does. It it just kind of adjusts like homeostasis. It just creates that, that plane where you're most comfortable at. So you really do need to stimulate that and recover with good nutrition. So making sure you're having a little bit of protein with a little bit of carbohydrates. You can find relevant links and more information about today's interview by using the search box on sounddesignlive.com. While you're there, pick up the Sound Design Live ebook with the best material from my first two years of interviews with audio industry leaders. Okay, so we talked about snacks and we talked about recovery. So um, let's talk then about actually eating during during that long day, either for musicians or, or for road crews. Sound engineers like myself, I gave the example of eating like a protein-rich sandwich. Uh, I assume you think that's a good idea and can, maybe you have some more examples of good things to eat. 
Well, and, you know, and I like the fact that you had hummus with avocado. I would throw on some sprouts just because sprouts are really good, high, high, high nutrition, like a quarter cup of broccoli sprouts is equivalent to about a head of broccoli when it comes to nutrition density. Huh? So it's really potent in antioxidants. And a lot of times when you're working a festival, I really want people to have good sources of antioxidants because you're around a lot of smoke, you're around a lot of um, hazards just because of all the energy, especially with y'all's job. I mean, you guys are around a lot of wavelengths and you know, all those megahertz that are getting put off, your body is still absorbing a lot of that. Whether you think think about that or not, you are taking in a lot of energy mm-hmm. that's coming your way. And so I, I do recommend making sure that you have a very high antioxidant diet. So yeah, that's a good sandwich. You know, almond butter and some apple slices, that's a good, you know, snack that you can grab. Um, I keep those, have you ever seen the Justin's Nut Butters? No, what's that? Okay, so they're really cool. Um, just And they're on my website too, but Justin's Nut Butters, they have these little 80-calorie pouches, and they're great. So they have one that's, let's see, they have a honey peanut butter, an almond maple, and they also have a chocolate hazelnut. Obviously, I wouldn't probably recommend the chocolate hazelnut per se just because you, you it, it may not feel at, or taste as good if you're really dehydrated, whereas mm-hmm. the other ones may be easier to, to kind of take in. Um, but those are great because you can just open up the pouch and then just, you know, suck it back just like you would a gel, but it's, it's peanut butter or almond butter. And so you're actually getting good protein plus good omega fatty acids from it, which is nice. Um, so I like that. And they come in little tiny pouches where you can just throw them. They, they lay flat, which is great for people who are on the road in a bus or in a van where you have limited space, they're very, very compact, which I like. Well, the so. best thing for me about those gels and, and that kind of size is that I can put one in my pocket. So, pocket. you know, cause I'm not walking around with my, my tool bag everywhere I go that has my food in it. And, you know, I mean, I may only have 10 seconds between picking up the next box to put some food in my mouth. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the other thing, one of my absolute favorites is a kind bar. Have you ever had a kind bar? Yes. Okay, yeah, Kind Bars and Lara Bars are probably my two favorite bars just because they're so simple in ingredients. And I really like, I like to say, find a bar that has less than seven ingredients and keep it clean. You know, you don't need a bunch of added junk to it. Um, and that's, you know, really that's more my, I'm, I'm a whole foods person. I prefer whole foods as much as you can versus powders and shakes and bars. I understand the necessity for them in certain aspects, especially when working with athletes or working with people who require that, such as yourself when you're when you're actually working. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, try to go for whole foods as much as you can. So let's keep talking about that. I wanted to tell you a quick story. Um, I was the house sound engineer for this place in Lisbon, Portugal called Galeria Zadersboish. And I would accompany the artist often to dinner um, because we didn't have a lot of staff. So if there was one night that the production manager, for example, couldn't do it, I would do it. Um, I think in metropolitan cities, uh, Americans are generally accustomed to some amount of choice. But in Portugal, um, 
you have to find a Chinese or an Indian food restaurant if you want to get a vegetarian or a vegan meal. Now, yeah. that isn't that hard to do in Lisbon, but on a weekend, those places are packed. And I, I just remember some dreary nights going from place to place looking for an open table. So eating healthy while you're on the road is hard. And I've been on tour. Every other meal is fast food. And this is especially difficult for people with dietary restrictions. You did your graduate thesis on nutrition demands of musicians, and I read in your book that vitamins and supplements, as we were just mentioning, are, are not a replacement for healthy eating. So could you talk some more about some ways to eat healthier on the road? Yeah, so I, I mean, I get the the limitations, especially if you're in a tour bus. I mean, you barely can pull into things unless it's, you know, when you think about roadside stops and, of course, what's there at truck stops? Fast food. Mm-hmm. So... But they're getting better, um, you know, and you've got to have a, a good communication amongst everybody that's on the road. You know, that's that's one of the biggest things that I find is that you may have, you know, one naysayer kind of like ruling the roost when it comes to people on the road and they're trying to ruin it for everybody else or they're, they're possible sabotagers. Um, you know, one person's trying really hard to eat well and then... You know, one other person is like, oh, who cares about diet? Who cares about food? But it it does matter. And and of course, as you go up into more serious touring, you are starting to see less and less people eating out, less and less people, like oftentimes they're having somebody prepare their food and actually making sure that it's meeting their needs and it's already stacked, like stocked on the bus or on the tour um, at the venues. So you know, dependent upon where you're at, you really want to, one, communicate with your bandmates. Like everybody, everybody should try to have some idea of where they want to be. And that should be part of your goals. I mean, you are going to perform better. Everybody, everybody is going to be more alert if you eat better, Mm -hmm. period. And that's some of the big things that I really look at is, you know, emotional instability is huge and it runs rampant amongst musicians and people who are in the music industry. And there's a reason for that. It's the creative side and we understand that. However, you can also mitigate some of those type of reactions and volatility if you fuel. And like, it's kind of like what you said, you walked off set or, you know, off off of a job when you, in your twenties, when you were probably just more hungry than anything else. Starving. Yes. So those are really good things to reflect upon, you know, when you're working with people and say, hey, you know, it's really important for us to not have these explosive reactions and everybody kind of being on the same page. And just like reminders, especially for whoever is the the leader, um, you know, a lot of times, like a lot of the bands that I work with, the drummer tends to be the band leader or, you know, the person who's kind of the communicator or the tour manager um, is the one who's saying, hey, let's let's stop. We need to make sure we eat. Everybody needs to, to decompress. Somebody has to take charge of that and make those decisions. Then from there, you can collaboratively choose better places to go eat. And I think the biggest thing is people... People gravitate towards foods thinking that they're healthier for you and perhaps maybe they're not. Um, You know, for instance, I'll give like an example, like some of the salads at Taco Bell. Taco Bell has salads? (laughs) They do. They have salads. And you can get one of their big taco salads and it's equivalent in nutrition wise to three gorditas. What does that mean? I don't go to Taco Bell. 
Yeah, so Taco Bell also has gorditas. So um, they're like another kind of taco thing. And so you can actually eat three tacos, three big gorditas, and it's the same amount of calories as it would be for the big taco salad. Okay, so if you're trying to stay away from calories, you think yeah. you're eating a salad that has less calories and it doesn't really. Yeah. Okay. So, and again, I'm, you know, I'm not a... I'm not one of those people like, oh, don't eat this, don't eat that. You know, I'm more about, hey, how do you feel when you're eating it? And that's a lot of the things that I tune musicians that I work with in. Like, how did you feel when you ate that? Oh, you felt like crap, huh? Hmm, what do you think? <laughs> you know, how do you think you can change that next time? Because the truth is, most people don't like to feel bad every day. I mean, you know, it, it, most people don't want to be sick every day. And if you're waking up and your voice is scratchy and you you need to use your vocals, not a good sign. If you're waking up and you're you're feeling like horrible, like you just want to stay laying in bed, that's definitely not going to be a good thing for whatever your job may be. Well, are you are you making meal plans for musicians? What kinds of plans are you giving them? Are there specific things like take bread and peanut butter with you and at noon for lunch, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Or I don't know, does it get that specific? No, you know, I really don't. I try to instead do more coaching along the way. So I will instead say, I would rather arm people with the knowledge to make their own empowered, better choices versus saying, oh, here's a scripted diet, follow this. Because how how long can you truly follow some scripted diet? Not very long. But if I'm empowering you to make the better choices yourself and you're finding yourself at a place and you're not like, oh, shoot, there's nothing here that's on Wendy's plan. So... I can't eat this. I'm going to have to just, you know, instead have this greasy burger. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the kind of reactions that happen with, with meal plans. Now, if I have a musician who's needing to cut weight for specifics, like a, like a video, um, yes, we can do that. And that's restrictive. So that's very, very, very different than performing and eating on the road. So yes, if you want to cut weight, yes. then I put you on a very scripted for a you know four to six week time frame, you're on a very strict diet, um, and and I hate that. I'm not a big fan of that whatsoever. But I understand the purpose of it for you know videos and aesthetics, what people want to make money with. However, on the other side, if you're if you're out there to perform and to feel good when you're performing, it's totally different. You know, going in, you can go into places and make good choices and better choices. And so a lot of my musicians that I work with, they'll text me pictures of the menu. They'll te text me pictures of their options and then I'll help guide them to making better choices. Plus, you know, there's a lot of great apps that are out there now. There's one called Fujicate and it's out there that people can actually use it and look up a food. They can actually scan the barcode and it'll tell you, you know, where it ranks on the nutrition realm. Hmm. Cool. Um, there's also really cool apps out there that tell you the calories, like Calorie King will tell you the calories of fast food. And then a lot of the musicians that I work with, I have them log their intake. So if you're really out for, you know, bettering yourself and bettering your your ability to stay focused and your ability to recover and not feel horrible when you come off the road, because who wants to recover for five days, right? Mm -hmm. So those people then I really recommend that they they log their nutrition intake with my fitness pal or my daily plate there's there's a bunch of free apps that are out there and they're not a hundred percent accurate but they're giving you a really good idea for baseline of where you're at 
and where you need to improve. And then I kind of walk through the information with musicians or artists or people who are on, on tour just to say, hey, you know, this is where you're at. What do you think you need to do next? And, and this is where you're low. So it's giving people a little bit more power and not feeling like, oh, I have to see Wendy Joe every single week. Because you don't. The reason that I ask about meal planning is that the situation that I often find myself in is that I'm going somewhere and I don't know if there's going to be food. And either I forgot to ask or I don't want to ask because I already have a lot of details that I'm already thinking about. All of the equipment that I'm bringing and the transportation for myself and the equipment and meeting other people and, you know, all the details of the production. So I have my own tools for, I don't know, I just bring fruit and I already talked about how I bring the gels and the sandwich, whatever. I bring food with me, even if there might be food there, because I'm just so afraid of going hungry. Have you seen anyone, um, I don't know, do anything smart, have any smart solutions for meal planning for these kinds of jobs? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing is just making sure that depending upon what you're in, if you have the ability to pack food and you have the ability to keep food. So I do a lot with, um, well, I do, I mean, I will actually make people who are getting ready to go on the road, I make them food. So we do salads in a jar um, where you put the dressing at the bottom of it. And, it, you know, one of those old ball mason jar kind of things. Mm-hmm. You put the dressing on the bottom and then you do your more dense vegetables or beans at the bottom. And then you put your more leafy things on the top or even pasta or potatoes, something that's starchy. And then you can shake it and eat it right in the jar, which is awesome. That's a good idea. Um, I have a video on my my website. I think it was with the, the Departed where we actually made salad in a jar with our kale salad. Okay. I'll so put we, a link to it on the. Yeah. So we have those. I mean, that's a big thing that I do. I recommend is that, you know, people create food at home and pack it. And so that's usually where I help a lot of people is how do you pack smarter for the road? So then you have options. So it's not necessarily that you're scripted saying, oh, I have to eat this today for lunch and this today for dinner and that today for breakfast. But instead, it's just making sure that you have these things that are appealing to you personally um, on the road with you. So like dried blueberries, dried cranberries, or um, goji berries, Greek yogurt, you know, something that you can go grab and eat quickly, but you can, you can kind of add in some great nutrition also with it. Mm-hmm. So I'll do like Greek yogurt with um, goji berries and a little bit of chopped nuts And that's a real simple, simple, simple snack that a lot of people like and just can eat quickly. Um, You know, what probably takes you maybe three minutes to kind of down a eight ounce container. Can I take yogurt with me if I don't have a way to refrigerate it? Like how long can it be outside before it's not? Depends on what country you're in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, okay, I'm in California and the weather's not that bad, but I'm in the sun and maybe I just have it in you know, in my bag and I'm out in the sun, I'm outside. Can it, can it go all day or, or is that going to be bad for me to eat? I would probably say that's probably not the best okay. thing. Um, it is, it is good bacteria. It's already spoiled food. So it's <laughs> not as though right. that it, it's going to go even worse for okay. you. People can actually eat yogurt. If you go overseas, they typically, you know, in Spain and everything or in Italy, they'll, they'll serve that almost like at room temperature. Mm-hmm. So 
it's just completely different. And if you ever ferment yogurt, it's done on your counter. Wow. <laughs> so it's done on a heating thing so to help uh, to help that bacteria grow. Yeah. I mean, okay, that's so how you, you make yogurt's yogurt. not going to go bad in six hours. No. Okay. It's really not. And you can eat it. It so, may not taste as appealing to you. Um, now, milk would definitely spoil. It's a different, you know, whereas the bacteria that are in yogurt are good bacteria for you, whereas milk is, it's not going to have that same bacterial culture. So it's different with like milk versus having that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that. But, you know, one of my favorite things that I take with me too is an avocado. And I just literally open up an avocado and take a spoon and scoop it and eat it hmm. right out of the shell. Okay. Well, I don't like really eating avocados by themselves, but I'm oh. sure for people who do like that, or maybe put some salt on it or put it into a salad, that would be great. Said the guy who likes mayonnaise. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, this is going to be kind of a funny question if you've never experienced this, but I've noticed working long days that somehow my tongue will get saturated after 10 hours and I'll be hungry, but nothing really tastes good anymore. And I'm, it feels like I ate too much of something, like... Um, too much salt or too much sugar, too many preservatives. And it's just kind of, it's got like this, it's, I don't know, like I can't drink. It's all, it feels kind of dried up and like saturated. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. And so oftentimes with people who are really dehydrated and then you're also eating a lot of dehydrated foods, you're not getting in a high water content. Oh, okay. So a lot of times that it's, it could be either the salt or the sugar. Um, usually there's not as much preservatives in those foods because they themselves are preservatives. It's sugar. I mean, sugar is the preservative or salt is the preservative or ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C. That's the preservative. And so um, it's not necessarily that it's the you know preservative per se. It's more just the fact that it's high sugar, which is dehydrating, high salt, also dehydrating because water molecules in our system want to follow it out. Um, so I usually will say, Hey, if you're, I have a urine guide too, that, oh, and I always talk urine and fecal matter. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's talk urine and fecal uh, matter. Yeah. It's awesome. Right. I love it when I'm working with musicians and there's like, really? I'm like, yep, we're going there. What are you talking but it is about? True. You know, I talk to him a lot about, um, dehydration and, and if really by three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon, if your urine is still pretty bright, there's a couple different things you know, you're either taking in too many supplements and you're not hydrated enough, or you're dehydrated. And, you know, 2% dehydration is is already pretty severe. And I, I have definitely seen people pass out. Um, definitely. I You know, we have people die every year at some of these concerts that are outside, you know, Bonnaroo, you know, things like that, where people are, are dying. Well, and less severely, I know it leads to fatigue. So what are these percentages you're talking about, 2% dehydration? So when you start to feel thirsty, you're already 2% dehydrated. And at 4%, you're at risk for death. Mm. So it's that we have a terrible means to tell, hey, I'm dehydrated, unless you're always hyperhydrated. So a lot of my athletes, I'm like, when you're, when you're off and you're not actually performing, you need to constantly hydrate. So a cup every single hour, you know, at least one cup to two cups every single hour. So have a water bottle when you're doing something like that. For some of my, my musicians, especially like my drummers who are putting out 
or any of my grunge artists too, if you're putting out a ton of energy on set, on studio set, on time, weigh yourself prior to going on stage and then weigh yourself as soon as you go off stage. For every pound you have lost, you need 16 ounces of water to replace that. How do they weigh themselves? So uh, so some of my musicians, what we do is we take scales. They have scales that wow. they can actually leave on That's their bus. That's pretty serious. I do because for a lot of them, they don't realize that dehydration is the biggest thing. So I'll go on with them and I bring, I have like a little scale that I use and it'll actually show you your percentage of dehydration or really your, your weight that you just fluctuated from. And that has to do with dehydration. Mm -hmm. So we'll weigh them and then we'll weigh them again once they come off. I mean, I'll see guys like drop five to seven pounds after an hour and a half set. That's all dehydration. Sound Design Live produces free audio podcast interviews with industry experts, product reviews of pro audio books, hardware, and software, and tutorials and articles on sound engineering, sound design, and sound system design and optimization. Subscribe today at sounddesignlive.com or by searching for Sound Design Live in iTunes or SoundCloud. Wendy, one thing that I miss about Portugal is that the farmer's markets were often cheaper than the grocery store. Heck yeah. I feel like our farmer's markets are more expensive here. And do you think it's worth it? You know, farmer's markets are more expensive. Where where you can actually find... So if if you're doing stuff more from like a local area and you're kind of in your area more um, doing work, then I would recommend something called a Community Supported Agriculture or a CSA. Uh, if you look at the website, localharvest.org, you can actually put in your zip code and you can find Community Supported Agriculture based on your area and they deliver a box of organic produce to your house or to a drop-off site usually anywhere between once a week or once every two weeks um, or even once a month, depending upon what you sign up for. And it's cheap. I mean, I pay uh, $25 a week for a huge thing of organic produce. Well, I was, I, we were just talking about this uh, last night with my girlfriend because I was, I was wondering whether or not it was cheaper than just buying that food at the grocery store. And our box, since we pay quarterly, is actually sixteen fifty a week. So I guess that's even better. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, and here's the thing too. When you are a member of the CSA, one, you're supporting, supporting local agriculture, which is cool, right? Like we like to support local music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also great because it's not traveling very far. So it's less oxidized, meaning it's not sitting on a truck traveling all the way across the country Mm -hmm. to get to your plate and you're getting what's in season. And so you're going to get a lot more of, you know, things that you may not have traditionally consumed. But if you, I, I do a ton of recipes on my website and on Instagram. So a lot of the people who follow me on Instagram see what I juice they see what I put out there for like, I mean, I, I made like a raw Swiss chard salad the other day and people were commenting on that. And, you know, that's just based on what's in your in your box. And that's great because you're getting a lot more dense nutrition, things that are going to be growing really well, um, which is going to balance you out for the, the year, for the week, for the month, you know, just helping you to feel better. 
I almost never buy organic produce because I, I don't really feel like I can test the difference. Um, can you give me some specific examples of organic products that you buy regularly that you can really taste? Well, it's not so much that I can really taste the difference. There's just some some ethical reasons why I choose organic on certain things. And then there's the reason, well, with milk, organic milk lasts longer in the groceries, like in your carton. So it always has a longer expiration date, which I like. So I buy organic milk. I always buy as much as I can organic meat just because of the hormones. And then also too, um, grass-fed beef has more omega-3 fatty acids, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. Um, so we want that. So there's a lot of that stuff that I think that is really important. But then there's also the Dirty Dozen. So if you Google like the Dirty Dozen, it'll come up different basic fruits and vegetables that you really do want to buy organic. So like strawberries and celery, kale, things that are really heavily doused with pesticides that we really don't want to ingest. And so, and if you can't buy organic, don't fret about it. I mean, that's, I would rather people eat more vegetables than worry about that as a big issue. Okay. So Wendy, what are the best places for people to follow your work online? So you can follow me on Twitter, which is Fuelin Roadie. So F-U-E-L-I-N R-O-A-D-I-E. And then I'm also on Instagram at Fuel and Roadie as well. And then you can also find me on Facebook, but my website is justwendyjo.com. So it's J-U-S-T-W-E-N-D-Y-J-O.com. And so from there I have, people can search all kinds. Like if they just basically put in musicians in the search key, you'll get a lot of articles that are, you know, about if you're songwriting, what foods should you eat? A roadie snack pack. Um, I have, you know, basically I've reviewed a bunch of fast food restaurants and things like that that I've done over the past, I don't know, maybe, gosh, I guess maybe I've been doing this now for about five years, four years. Um, so for all the way back then, they can, start, you know, still search up topics of things that I really recommend, whether you're eating a continental breakfast at a hotel, you know, you name it, I pretty much kind of, touched on it. Great. Yeah. I read through some of your site and I, I really like your blog. Um, we didn't talk much about your book and that's mainly because in a couple weeks after this podcast comes out, um, I'm going to be publishing a review of the book. Um, I just oh, cool. tried a couple of the recipes this weekend and liked it a lot. So um, people can look forward to that. But anyway, that's why we didn't talk about the book that much. You know, it's the Mediterranean diet. So it's, you know, is it applicable to everybody? Absolutely. And the big thing that I would say from a musician or anybody that's kind of needing that creative brain, there's some really good research coming out that just came out of that same epic study from Spain that talks about dementia and brain cognitive research relating to a high omega fatty acid, omega-3 fatty acid diet, which is what basically the Mediterranean diet is. So it's, I mean, it's got some cool information. I mean, it's not a diet. It's just a healthy way of eating. So I, I think it's really more of a, a balanced way to look at it. So I don't want people to think, again, kind of that scripted diet type of mentality. All right, Wendy. Well, thanks for answering my questions today, and I will see you at Barton Springs. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Nathan. Sound design. Hey, 
Hey, this is Nathan. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed this episode of Sound Design Live, rate it, rate it. on iTunes or send it to a friend. Sound design. Yeah.